Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, October 30th, 2022. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another great show coming up for you tonight. Ethan Sears of New York Post will be joining us to talk about all things Isles. With me tonight is Mr. Chris Botta. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Chris, how we doing? I'm doing great. It was a fantastic week in Islanders country. It's a pleasure to be here and pleasure to be joined by the Islander fans. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening as always. Yes, absolutely. Welcome to the show, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in and before we get started i want to remind you all that we are very proud to be presented by blue line deli and bagels located at 719 west jericho turnpike in huntington the new location 217 carlton avenue in east lysop and of course ubs arena at belmont check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com also happy to be sponsored by rj daniels american bar and grill located 279a sunrise highway in rockville center the best place to catch the game when you can't be at the game and of course last but not least lost farmer brewing company located at 63a second street in mineola don't forget if you're tuning in live get your questions in for questions brewing presented by lost farmer so chris Last week, things weren't going so well in Islander country. It's starting to get a little doom and gloom around, uh, around the fan base. And lo and behold, three games later, three-game winning streak against some formidable opponents. Uh, what do you see, CB? Well, I feel like we could have, we probably should have done the show with braces on for the whiplash that we have for, from, <laughs> right. from, the, from the last week. I wouldn't say doom and gloom, but certainly concern that really emanated with the Jersey game because it was such a walloping. Yeah. I, I, I still hear from fans, even last night after the great win against Colorado, I heard from fans uh, saying how bored they were, how they wanted a refund, how it made them feel like, wow, are we, you know, what are we looking at for this season? Is this what this team is? Right, so, right. hey, you cannot say enough for Lane Lambert and the adjustments he and his coaches made, uh, the players, uh, the changes to the roster, the just everything about it just fantastic amazing to think three losses come back with three wins and then against Colorado you had the the, the play within the play because they got down three zip right and it looked you know, like if they had lost that game not the end of the world but then to come back the way they did awesome stuff yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and not just a winning streak against, you know, anybody in the league, but you're talking about three of the top teams here. You're talking about the Rangers, the Canes, and, of course, the Stanley Cup champion, Avalanche. So a big statement for this team after the losing streak. They go down to Florida. They lose those two back-to-back. And now you're looking at some hope here. You're above 500. You get out, off the schneid a little bit. You have a, a road trip coming up now against some beatable teams. You know, maybe not maybe not the competition that they had previously, but it's still going to be tough. Any, anytime you go on the road, it's going to be tough. But, I mean, is this team finally hitting its stride are we starting to see what the lane lambert new york islanders might be looking like i I feel like it's a little early to say that listen all that said questions were answered in these last three games they did what they had to against the rangers rangers playing on the second end of back-to-back islanders at home we thought that was a game that the islanders would win and should win right and they took care of it and Sorokin does what he does, and we'll be talking about it. Well, we'll be talking about him all season. The win, <laughs> yes. in, the win in Carolina was really impressive. 
I think there was some of it was rallying around Joshua Bailey's Mm -hmm. 1,000th game. A great, just a real great spirit around that game. I think that was one that was set up to, could that be another Jersey thing? Could Carolina, you know, really do the run and gun thing on them? How many times, I don't know about you, I have this experience where I'll go to check the NHL scores on the Mm -hmm. NHL app, and the Carolina game will be early second period, and Carolina's out shooting the other team like 27 to (laughs) 6. Right. Whether they're at home, whether they're on the road, I can't blame the scorekeepers or anything like that. So this is good. I I, I don't think we're ready to say anything yet. Mm -hmm. The fans will tell you, uh, we hear this a lot, that – U.S. Thanksgiving late November is gives right, you a pretty cut, good idea. Imaginary cutoff. Yeah, I mean, I used to say for years uh, back in the point blank days that a lot of the Islander teams I worked for, we were out of it by U.S. Thanksgiving. That's not going to be. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> I, you know, that's not what's going to be the case now. But, you know, we could sit here a week from now with these three road games. Like you said, these are, it would be pretty deflating if they do less than one, one, and one. Right, I mean the bar should be higher than sure. that, but it's possible that they come under that. So this will be. Uh, I, I would like to think we're not going to have too many back-to-back episodes where it's three <laughs> losses and oh my god, right, and then three right. losses and three wins. Yeah, five hundred hockey's not going to get you yeah. anywhere. Yeah, we could have done a show in the second early second period last night and then come <laughs> yeah. back and done another one. Absolutely, so, uh, a little early, but a good sign. Lane Lambert. Said in the post game last night, you were probably driving home or hanging out in the parking lot sure. or however, whatever your post game routine <laughs> is. We could talk about that some other sure, time. Sure, sure, yeah. Is um, he said in the post game he volunteered? He doesn't volunteer a lot, but he said, "Look, we made some adjustments after the New Jersey game to address some shortcomings." And I'll, I, I said the word shortcomings. He didn't. I think it was his way of saying, "Okay." Maybe we can't always run and gun depending on who we're playing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, Rich Goring on the broadcast, he didn't point out anything that they're doing differently. I haven't heard any other analysts say anything they did so drastically, but I'll give Lane the benefit of the doubt. I appreciate him bringing that up. And it was it's an acknowledgement that maybe there are some days, some opponents, we can't always play the same way. So a really, really good sign, Sean. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, yeah, you can't ask for anything more with three wins against those teams. And, and it's nice to see some some positivity in the fan base now. And to have a comeback win like that against the Avalanche is, is just huge, especially being the, the Stanley Cup champions. But, of course, you mentioned Josh Bailey's 1,000th game. Why don't we focus on that a little bit? Just what an achievement, not only in itself to get to 1,000, but in the same uniform on Long Island with the New York Islanders. Uh, you know, you see that happening, and uh, how, how does that make you feel? Uh, I it, it's just it's a it's a wonderful feeling. He is a, a terrific person, as everybody knows. I, I don't even you know, I, I get all the analysts analysis there about the points, the goals, all that. He has earned. Talked about this with Darius just just briefly. Mm-hmm. You you walk into that locker room and your jersey is hanging up at let's say for a seven o'clock game, maybe like around five five thirty. He's walked into that Islanders locker room. He's walked into an NHL locker room 1,000 times. And the coach of the team contracts society. You don't get to play if you're not good. And, you know, he's got to do this. He's gotten to do this 1,000 times. And now also to do it for this team, uh, this entire time, be a good player. Um, it's It's a great thing to see. 
And, uh, you know, here's to many more for Josh. No doubt. And it's it's just been something watching him come into this league. And I always thought that, you know, he came in a little too early. But you go back to his rookie year, and, I mean, they were just desperate for guys to put on the ice. And I, and I think it was a disservice to him as a player. And he ends up taking a lot of slack for that, coming in probably a little too soon, didn't get to marinate down in the AHL. And, you know, it was a little, you know, it took him a little time to find his stride as an NHL player. He didn't start hitting 40, 50 points until deeper into his career. And, and obviously the, the frustration from fans is well documented over the course of that time. So to see him hit his stride and, and become a, an important player for this team and, you know, seeing him finally get into the playoffs with this team and what a playoff performer he's been. I think he's the, he's the only player in the post-cup dynasty to have 50 points in the playoffs, which is something to be said as well. So a great career for him, and it's, and it's still ongoing. He's, he's put up a couple of points in these last couple of games here, so he's a huge part of this team. And, and one thing I definitely noticed with, with his, his teammates and former teammates that they said, and I mentioned this on Twitter, is that they always point to the character of this guy. You know, it's not just what he's done on the ice, but, you know, Matt Martin saying he, he, he's going to be a part of his life for the rest of his life. You know, he's a, he's a great friend. He's a good man. So to hear that, I think, speaks even more volumes uh, than just hitting a thousand games. You, you know? hit on it. A clutch player, really great in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, certainly had some, you know, good moments on bad teams. He was rushed. That is not his fault. His development was right. hurt. That is not his fault. Right. He's continued to always rise above. He's never once gotten caught, uh, which would be natural, maybe getting emotional, talking about fan response. Or always how be, even keeled. Always. always even keeled. I, I trust he stays off social media or, media or, <laughs> he, or, he, or, he, or he doesn't care. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he is a, you know, we haven't, I'll include myself in that, in this has, has maybe not always been as classy as he has been throughout. The other thing I thought about is uh, we had a bunch of guys, the Islanders, play their 1,000th game when I was there. Uh, and a lot of times, guys who rolled through toward the end of their careers. Sure, right, I right. think like Keith. Ac <laughs> I remember Keith Acton, one of his first games, I think, with us, Eric Cornick wow, or somebody. Keith Acton. Was his 1,000th game, and we, you know, the league comes and they do the silver stick. You know, they yeah. do the honor thing, and we put him on the cover of that night's program. And Keith, like he always looked a little older than he was, but like these guys, like often they're like 40 or right. in the late 30s, right? And they and their kids come on the ice, and they're 15 yeah. years old, right? But right. Josh with his young family, yeah. and yeah. And still look, looking young still with he, he, whether it's with the Islanders or somebody else he's somebody's going to be playing in this league at least a few more years no he's, question he's not near the end of his career Absolutely. so congratulations to him and and everybody involved with his drafting and his coaching and his family and everybody else and you mentioned those silver sticks are those provided by the teams that they're playing for is that provided by the it's league it's a league thing oh it is so the Islanders haven't given out <laughs> an unfair yeah. amount of silver sticks yeah. compared to the rest yeah, of the no, league, the league comes in it used to be uh jim gregory for the longest time who would come uh i don't know bill daly by the way was there i i missed it was there a presentation last night there was okay there was they did they honored him last night they same thing brought the family out everything so uh so it was great to see and and one last question on J josh before we break for ethan there's some talk now because of the tenure that josh bailey has had with the new york no. island Okay, you know what I'm going to ask. And I think we've talked about this on a past and episode. And I don't mean no in a bad way. Of course way. not, because I agree with you on this. This is why the, the question is, it sounds like Jeopardy, is should his number be retired? <laughs> yes, yes. And, okay, I wanted to say, I, I, you never want to be that person. We all have better things to do than to be the sh schmo who, who says things like, I, he doesn't deserve right. to be yeah, yeah. We decide, right? Right. But, and I also recognize that with teams across sports, 
that honor seems, you know, my Yankees, it seems like everybody's getting a monument. Everybody's getting a plaque. Everybody's sure. getting their number right. retired. Right. The, the reason for a team Hall of Fame or to go back to doing an Islanders Hall of Fame right mm-hmm. would be, yeah, I, Josh Bailey, the year or two after he retires, that's a night. Have the family here. Sure. And you honor sure. him for that. A number retirement? Yeah. No, he's just not in that category. He's not. He's not. The bar, is, especially with the Islanders, is very high. And it just, for me, it doesn't seem right. You know? As, as good a guy as he is, as good a player he's been, he's just not at that level. Win, a, win the cup this year and next year. And, and, then maybe and, and, have and a then talk. Win a con Smythe? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I, you know, come, I, I, it's not... It's really not a debate. If you have a team Hall of Fame, he deserves to be honored. He deserves all the good things that Absolutely. are said to, to yes. him. He deserves to be back and to be one of the loudest cheers when he comes back 10, 20, 30 years from now. Agreed. A number retire. Come on. I'm with you, Chris. Okay. All right, folks. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ethan Sears of the New York Post will be joining us. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, All three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. new Islander season and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train does roll on right here on Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now from the New York Post is the great Ethan Sears. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Ethan, last week Chris and I I were talking about a rough three-game losing streak for the New York Islanders. Now, all of a sudden, they've rattled off wins against the Rangers, the Canes, and the Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. What changed from last week to this week where the Islanders all of a sudden are riding high on these these three wins? 
Well, I think first and foremost, there's some some more comfort with with the system, with what Lane Lambert is running, um, and and that's really been uh, been important here. Um, obviously, new coach, it's it's going to just take some time to get used to that, and uh, you know, there still might be some uh, some growing pains as we uh, as we continue on here. But I think these last three games, you've really seen them uh, start to embrace that style. And it's really shown up in just how they've countered the speed of these teams. You, you think of the Rangers, you think of Colorado. And, you know, those are some of the, some of the fastest teams in the league. Right. Uh, and that's that's something the Islanders were, you know, were not particularly good at dealing with last year. And this time around, you know, even last night when they were down 3 nothing to Colorado, it was not the kind of, you know, uh, they were not getting dominated by any stretch. They were kind of even on shots pretty much the whole way. Um, and they never really looked overwhelmed by the speed. They seemed like they were in it. Uh, they were able to skate with them. And that's something that uh, has been has really been notable to me uh, during this streak and, and even in some of the games before that. Yeah, Ethan, I think that's a great point you bring up is just the fact that, you know, I was going into these games, especially against the Canes and Avs, and, and just like worrying about how much pace – the Islanders are going to have against those kind of teams. Because we've seen in the past, especially with the Canes, they seem to have the Islanders number all the time. And for them to kind of not only, you know, hold the line with them, but also obviously, you know, carry play and end up winning these games. But it was very, very encouraging to see. And I guess you look at, you look at this whole comparison and obviously people are just going to be talking about all year, Trotz versus Lambert and all that. But you see the fact that they're able to keep up with the speed. Do you think that's, you know, somewhat of the personnel obviously getting younger on the back end? And do you think the system has a lot to do with that too, just with how Lane has them playing the game? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, it helps to to replace uh, Zidane Ochara and Andy right. Green with uh, with Alexander Romanov and, and Sebastian Ajo, right? Um, but at the same time, you know what what Lane has stressed is, you know, they want to be more aggressive. They want to get up harder on the forecheck. They're bringing their demon uh, down on the walls to pinch harder, and they're doing more to kind of make it harder to get through the neutral zone and make it harder for these teams to to break out, which is where they really use their speed. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of both there. Gotcha. And obviously uh, the Islanders also made a surprising move earlier in the week, waving key for Bellows. Anything to that? I think a lot of fans were kind of caught off guard. I myself was. I didn't think that was going to be coming anytime soon. Uh, is that just something maybe where the team wasn't, wasn't happy with this play and they said, look, we got to make room for a seventh defenseman? Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's hard to say exactly what the logic was. Um, obviously, they're not uh, particular, particularly uh, given to explaining these kinds of things, and and it was surprising to me as well. But um, but you know, we had seen kind of Kiefer Bellows fall out of favor a little bit uh, early on in the season, and you know, just logically, it didn't make sense that they were going to keep carrying six six defensemen, especially with this road trip coming. Um, and you look at the weekend last weekend in Florida, uh, Sashnikov gets in the lineup, Ross Johnston gets in the lineup, Kiefer Bellows doesn't. So, right. you know, that kind of gave you a little snapshot of probably what the team's thinking was. And, uh, you know, Lane Lambert didn't exactly explain it when we asked him about it. You know, he said he's Kiefer hadn't done anything wrong or, you know, whatever, whatever it was exactly that he said, but, uh, but obviously, you know, they thought that Sashnikov and, and Johnston, uh, the two other guys who probably uh, would have been expected to go on waivers, uh, you know, had more to offer. 
Ethan, it's Chris Bada. Thanks for uh, for coming on, and also really appreciate your coverage. It's nice to see you on the beat, and you're on the road in Florida uh, last weekend. So thank you for that. Let's uh, take us a little bit inside the beat now that we've continued to emerge from the pandemic and things have opened up. And I know it's not everything Zoom anymore. How's it been for you covering the team? <laughs> hey, Chris, good to hear from you. Um, yeah, things have uh, been much, much better this year uh, in that regard. Um, you know, the, the locker rooms are, are back open, which is great for us as beat writers. I'm, I'm sure you've seen there's just much more variation in, in all of our stories between, uh, you know, me and, and Andrew Gross and uh, Kevin and, and Stefan, and, and they all do a great job. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it helps us a ton to be able to, to develop relationships with these guys, to be able to have, uh, conversations that are a little bit more informal where you're not just sort of at a podium and, and all in a group talking to one person and kind of getting stuck, having to write the same story. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's all around, it's much, much better. Um, and you know, that, that access is, it's really important to what we do. And, uh, you know, I know it sounds self-serving, but I, I hope that people who, uh, people who read it can, uh, you know, can, can see that and can see that, you know, hopefully the stories reflect, uh, reflect it. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. And then also not really don't need a comparison to Barry. We know what he was like, but what's it been like? We see the post games with Lane, uh, but maybe the day to day, the after practice scrums, has it been like working with Lane Lambert? Yeah. I mean, Lane is, um, you know, he's, he's perfectly, uh, you know, polite and, and fine to deal with. He's, uh, he's not one who's going to uh, give us that much as far as, you know, what the lineup is or who's starting in goal or, or things like that. He's held all of that very close to his chest so far, um, which, uh, you know, I'm sure is something that the general manager is pretty happy with him about. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, he's, he's been, been perfectly polite, perfectly affable. And, uh, you know, from that standpoint, there's nothing to complain with. And you wrote a really great in-depth profile on Lou Lamorello for Post Plus. Uh, was there one of two things I'll ask you, either, either your biggest <laughs> takeaway from doing that or perhaps something that, you know, didn't, you know, that landed on the cutting room floor that didn't make the story that you would share? Uh, let me think. Uh, biggest, <laughs> biggest takeaway biggest takeaway was probably um just this uh you know my, my favorite part of the story was was talking to uh the guys who who luke coached at providence when he was younger um because you know you, you talk to a lot of the people who work with him at the devils and you hear a lot of the same things and obviously those are people who have been asked about luke before they've uh you know probably been asked a lot of the questions that i'm asked that i'm asking them and you know the stories are going to be kind of similar right uh, you know, the guys at Providence haven't been quite as much and, and some of the stuff you hear, uh, from there, you know, uh, like he, his first, uh, game weekend at Providence, he, he made his team kind of, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So all the students are off campus. Right. And he basically sequestered them in a dorm, said curfew is 9 PM or whatever time it was. And then to make sure nobody left, he sat in a beach chair outside in the hallway and then made sure nobody <laughs> left. And that's, and that's where he slept for three nights. Um, so it kind of just makes you, uh, you know, ma makes you appreciate like that he is the person that like he has been this person for pretty much forever. Like, um, you know, he is just been this in this intense competitive guy who is who is tuned out you know every distraction and, and everything in his life for 
you know, basically 50 plus years. Um, as far as something on the cutting room floor, um, there were, uh, there was one story that, that I liked and I, I won't, uh, I won't name the, uh, the team or the, uh, any specifics. Um, but, uh, there was one of the former assistants I talked to, um, said, you know, uh, was talking about how the, the environment with the devils was so professional and, um, you know, and I said, well, what's, you know, what's a good example of that? And he said, well, you know, I went and interviewed with, with another team and was actually offered an, an assistant coaching position with this team. And, um, when, when he came for, I don't remember whether it was his first or second interview, but he was basically turned off because the general manager showed up in shorts and a t-shirt and sunglasses and flip-flops and, and <laughs> have, and having worked for Lou who, you know, obviously buttoned down, you know, everyone's got to, uh, come dressed nice. He basically walked in the building and was like, what is going on here? Um, so that just shows you kind of the standard that, that Lou has had, you know, maybe compared to, um, some of the other, uh, I guess some of, some of the other, you know, uh, people who have been in the league over the years. Wow, great stuff, Ethan. And a two-part question here for you. We're nine games into the season now, so we've kind of seen a tale of two teams, right, in the early going, a little bit of a struggle. You had the three-game losing streak. Look a lot better against these top teams in the league, three-game winning streak. Which team do you think we're going to see more of for the rest of the season? Is this still kind of a, a book to be written here, or do you think this is a team who's, who's settling into a little bit of a stride and, and maybe we're st- tr- finally starting to see exactly who this team is? And just the second part to that is, has anybody on this team, maybe outside of the stars, that stood out for you in these nine games that are going to maybe help this team along the season? Yeah, uh, well, for the first part of your question, I, I'm going to hedge a little bit and say, I, I think that we're going to see both versions of this team yeah. as we go forward. I think that, you know, this is probably still a group that's pretty far off being, you know, uh, you know, top three, top two team in the Eastern Conference. But it's also pretty clearly a much better group than they had last year. And that probably leads you to being something like, you know, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And there's going to be stretches like this where they prove they can play with the Carolinas and the Rangers and the Colorados of the world. And there's probably going to be some stretches like we saw uh, last week where, you know, they're getting uh, kind of crushed at home by the devils and, and we're asking questions about, you know, are we really sure that, uh, that it's realistic for this team to do that much? Um, and that's probably the kind of reality of, of this group right now. And maybe that changes a little bit at the trade deadline, but, uh, but at least for now, that's sure. I think kind of what we're going to see. Um, as far as guys who, who we've seen more from, um, I mean, you kind of have to put Casey Sezikis in that category, right? Um, you know, that the penalty kill has been 29 for 30. He's right. been a huge, huge part of that. Um, and the fourth line has been yes. probably their most consistent line um, after a year where they really struggled last year. And they looked to have lost a step. And all, all three of them have been playing well, uh, Clutterbuck and Martin, too. They all deserve credit, but Sezikis has has really been driving the play there, um, and I don't think you can understate what he's done. Uh, you know, both at even strength and on the penalty kill. Yeah, no doubt. Great points there. The fourth line looks like they took some. Uh, they found some of that youth, the fountain of youth, and <laughs> look a little younger than they have <laughs> recently, right? 
And one yeah, guy, they do. Yeah, and one guy I wanted to key in on is Sebastian Ajo. Probably expected to be the seventh defenseman. He wrestles away the sixth spot from from Robin Sala, at least in the early going here. What do you like out of him so far? And you think that's a spot he can hold on to? Yeah, I mean, you know, as uh, as Lane has kind of talked about, you know, uh, Ajo's a guy who who can really contribute offensively. He's you know he skates well. Uh, we've seen him get some power play minutes, although uh, you know it's been Ryan Pulak on that second unit for the last I think two games here. But uh, but he can get up on the rush. He can contribute offensively. That's something that Lane likes to see from his defenseman. Um, I don't. I would imagine that at some point, you know, we'll see Robin Salo again. I don't know that uh, that either of them is is going to necessarily have a, a lock on that spot. Right. Obvi- obviously, in the past, we've seen that Aho is is prone to kind of uh, lapses in concentration, I guess is, is the right way to put it. On <laughs> Great defense. way to put it, yep. <laughs> oh, um, you should be around. <laughs> thank you. Um, but, you know, that that hasn't really been something we've seen from him so far this year. And, and if it's something that he's taken out of his game, then, yeah, of course he can stay in the lineup because he does contribute in a, in a meaningful way offensively. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know what? Their their partner, Scott Mayfield, is having a little year so far, too. Three goals. I mean, didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, been an impressive year. Obviously, uh, obviously, last night getting in on the back door with uh, on the pass from Barzal. And, uh, and he's someone who has, you know, like we've talked about, gotten up on the rush and, and taken pretty well to uh, to what Lane has has been telling the guys um and the results have, have been there you know <laughs> three goals I, I think he had three goals all of last year right remember yes. correctly. Yeah. So, so he's already equaled that total um and um you know he's probably i think two or three off his career high and and you would figure that he'll past that pretty early on if he keeps at this pace yeah and he picked the right time because it's a contract year so uh hopefully we see some more to yeah. scott mayfield but but ethan fantastic stuff tonight really appreciate you joining us uh hope you have a great rest of your night and uh, hope to have you on soon yeah you too thanks so much for having me you got to take care all right you ladies too. and gentlemen that was ethan sears of the new york post great stuff from him excellent questions getting a little behind the scenes on the uh the loose story that was pretty cool i Years ago, not too long. It was probably one of Lou's last years with the Devils, maybe last one or two years with the Devils. Knew him a, a little bit. Actually, only about a year before that, I had I interviewed Lou Lamorello on a Broadway stage and in front of Broadway Theater. Goes. That's a story for another That's time. That's awesome. Yeah, if you ever have me back here, we'll think and about it. We'll I, consider it. I was covering a Rangers Devils game. And after the game, I did my locker rooms, I did my interviews, and I'm used to going a certain way back to the garden elevator, back up to the press box to write. And I'm not really looking. I'm, maybe I'm looking down at my notes or my phone, like a lot of dumb moments that people have. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm in this hallway, and I just hear Chris, and I hear like a trainer go, Chris! And I'm standing in the middle of... The Devils, so I guess they had a road trip. Maybe maybe they were flying out after that sure, game. Sure, yeah. So, Lou, the Devils, they arranged their post-game meal right at the Garden, which isn't uncommon, but the locker rooms maybe were too small or whatever, mm-hmm. and they set it up almost like picnic tables in this hallway, which was closed off, but I didn't know it was closed off, mm-hmm. and I walked through. And it gives <laughs> and I felt so bad. And honestly, yeah. I could have done that to the Islanders or the Rangers or anybody else. 
but it, it does kind of give you the specter of Lou mm. that I disappointed him and I walked through <laughs> this area. Didn't sleep for days. So much so I called the PR director the next morning. I was like, please send yeah. my apologies. I mean, so that's one of my Lou stories. Wow. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. He's organized. And that's what, that's what Ethan was getting at. This thing with the coaches sleeping in the hall, hallway. That's what made me think about it. He, he has always been like this. It's yeah. not like it's emerged in the last 20 years. Sure, sure. Interesting stuff. Well, before we dive a little bit more into these games, uh, I just wanted to get your take on the Bellows move, just because just we covered it with, with Ethan. Um, I know you tweeted about it a little bit. This was something you kind of saw coming yourself. The, the, what we talked about on the show, mm-hmm. and thank you for giving me like a, a little credit for calling it, was just <laughs> was just simply if somebody's not going to be playing for you, yeah, and you want him playing, it goes back to hanging up the uniform and Josh own, earning that uniform yep, a thousand yep, times. It means yep. something. And if this guy isn't going to be playing for you, in this case, Kiefer Bellows, then you try to send them down and you give that roster spot to somebody else who you think is better. And what we did say on this show just a week ago mm-hmm. was that if you have to do that to somebody who has to clear waivers, not everybody's waiver eligible, but he, he, you had to, he had to clear waivers. If you send them down and if he gets picked up, so be it. Because nobody is so valuable to the fans who might say, well, maybe you could have got a fourth-round pick. And that's something Lou would have tried to do before waving it, right? See if there's any interest around the league. Yeah, and one other um, dictum that I will leave you with, and and I'll probably say this maybe five times by the end of the year because I repeat myself a lot. No (laughs) disrespect to Kiefer Bellows. I, I, I think we know what he is. I think he's got an opportunity at the Flyers. Now, when all those players come back from the Flyers, unless Kiefer mm. really steps it up, he's going to have to go back down again and clear. You know, there'll be, yeah. he's, you know, he might move around a little bit or maybe he proves himself. Mm-hmm. But when you make a trade, when you send somebody through waivers, no, the only team that really knows that player well is the team making the move with that player. Now, I know the easy answer is, well, then how did, why did Milbury trade this guy? Okay. But my point is, like, right. the Islanders know they've now seen enough of Kiefer mm-hmm. when they made that decision and they knew what the consequences could be. So you do that and you move on and you wish him well and that's it. Yeah, and look, he only got, I think, seven minutes in the first game of the season, and then he was out of the lineup after that. So it looks like they've seen enough, and and they, I kind of it kind of forced their hand in a bit too, just because they needed that seventh defense. You can't go on the road with sixty. Every player who's kind of on the fringe like that, there's always like some knock, right? And mm-hmm. and I uh, let me say, not a scout, not an analyst, not right. the the thing on Bellows that I heard from you know his draft year mm-hmm. was just missing a little giddy up that's like the mm-hmm. one thing you know and, and some variation of that not literally everybody's used the word giddy up okay right but that there was just a, a little missing a little bit of a spark mm-hmm. missing you know a little short on the speed end you know are dedicated committed talented shot offense conscientious all those things but just missing a little bit of that jumping yeah hockey guys will say it's quickness the quickness is different than speed right just right missing a little bit of that quickness. right Maybe he gets that step. Maybe Tortorella is the guy for him. I imagine Tortorella is going to ride him. He's going to get every chance in these next couple I, of weeks. It, but that, I, he could be in the transaction page, you know, pretty soon. Right. I think that's a good opportunity for him with with a team like Philadelphia. So we'll see what happens. And good luck. Yeah, and you know, you see some groans from some of the fans saying, "Oh, Ross Johnson keeps a spot over him, and Sashnikov keeps a spot over I him." Get it? Right. We all do. <laughs> but but I, obviously, you pick, you pick your spots with the guys who are average mm-hmm. or worse right 
right? Like this isn't like I'd be concerned about solo because there is still that high end yeah. talent there. Yeah. For the, this argument, mm-hmm. and believe me, we, on Twitter and everywhere else, including me, I'm as guilty as an next person making a bigger deal about something. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. You wish him well. He. That's it. That's all. It's not a big deal. He, he was. He was. <laughs> if anything was. If anything was a mistake or is a big deal, is that he was drafted in the first round. Yeah, we've that's, seen a lot of that with the Islanders, that, unfortunately. That's where the error is, where yeah. that's where it didn't work out. Yeah, if anything, it's just another one of those in a long line of guys that they've drafted in the first round that just haven't panned out for one reason or another. Win some, lose some. From By all accounts, a, a terrific kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, lineage in the NHL with his dad, Brian. Famous with, uh, interaction with Brian Trache. And mm-hmm. um, you, you, just all, you, just, you just wish him well. And, and you know what? He could wind up on the Islanders again because they know, know. What, they know what he is. <laughs> yeah. They know he's a good dude. They right. know he fits their system to mm. a certain extent. So if, they, if he bounces around a little bit, which is possible. Sure, you never know. He could wind up back here. Okay. All right, fair enough. So let's look at this Ranger game a little bit. 3 nothing shutout win. They play a little survival mode in the first period. The Rangers kind of took it to him, and then they kind of – they weathered the storm, and Elias Sorokin, 41 save shutout, absolutely outstanding, huge win. Kyle Palmieri gets two goals. Josh Bailey gets a goal. Nice to see Palmieri get pocket a couple, uh, not wait until the second half of the season here. So I look at this as a huge win for the team because you were looking at either, what, two and five or, th- you know, two and three. Both look very, very different, and and I don't want to be over dramatic about a win this early in the season, but it could have been a tiny turning point for this team to get a big win like that against the Rangers at home, going into these other big games against the Canes and then against the Avalanche. It was an early must win. If you remember before the Ranger game, uh, Bailey had been scratched, Beauvillier right. had been scratched, right? And uh, there's probably tape of me somewhere saying Palmieri could be next, and he got two yes, goals in yes. that game, so he's not going to be next. He won't. And um, <laughs> and that's the whole idea. When you scratch players, it's not just for the ones you're scratching, but just also a reminder to anybody, especially who's used to playing on a top two line most of their career, especially somebody who's making you know five million on a on a multi year deal that it could be anyone. And and so I believe the message was delivered. And then the other piece of this, another thing that we did say is the thing about Beauvillier is every time he scratched, you know he's going to be really good the next couple of games. Yeah, it's and he has been. Yeah, fantastic. He seems like one of those guys that does need a kick in the pants every now and then to get going. And hopefully one of these days he just finds that consistency where he doesn't need to have a lesson, you know, in order to kind of pick up his play. I wouldn't be surprised if a a McLean, a Huda, perhaps even a Lane Lambert said, don't make us go through this anymore. Right. Right? Don't make you. Let's not have to do that because they lost the game. He was scratched. All right. And, um, you know, let's let's not have to do that. Let's want to just play every darn game like it's your last game. Makes and, and by and I think sometimes it's just focus. I don't I don't think there's a lack of a commitment there. For yeah, me. no, he 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 plays hard. He plays hard. It just seems like he loses his way every now and then, and he hits he hits those uh, those slumps unfortunately, and it hurts the team because he's a guy they have to rely on. He's he's one of their younger guys. Definitely. Yeah. So instead of the Islanders getting their fourth straight loss, the New York Rangers did. So, you know, good stuff in Islander country. Moving on to Friday night in Carolina. I was prepping for a, for a big loss, I'll be honest with you. Especially you talk about the Ranger letdown, right? You come off a win over the Rangers and you're expecting to lose the next one. Going to Carolina and 
I mean, he couldn't write it any better. Josh Bailey scores the game winner in his 1,000th game, and it was a great goal, too. I mean, what a move that he made, the patience that he showed to put it in the back end. So fantastic there. And Sorokin, again, he was even better. He got the shutout against the Rangers, but he was even better against the Canes. He was outstanding, even though he let a couple in. That's the thing about this team, and that's why to the people who said they would be in the playoff race, uh, even after you know the three tough loss, three bad losses, he is the equalizer here. Like he's a goalie, unlike they have had. Lundqvist, you know, saved the Rangers for a long time. Like he kept them competitive. Uh, so does Shesterkin, and and very few teams have players like this. The Islanders have this, yeah, with with Sorokin. They, they're you know, yeah, he might give up the occasional flighty goal sure but you accept it because he keeps you in games it's just uh yes that that's a big difference there it, it's what makes last year you know pretty troubling as to what happened even for all the things that derailed it but this is a player just entering his prime if he's even there yet and he is superstar there, there's you know there's a couple of different meanings to the word where i'm not, I'm not saying Ellie Strogan could walk down the street in manhattan or los angeles where i'd be recognized <laughs> right, right, but, right. It, but in this sport in terms of what he means he's just if he's not there yet he's on the verge of being a superstar and when you look at this team what he does from his value is just absolutely incredible it just so happens we have two of these goalies yeah playing 20 miles apart that's a cool thing it is but we're glad we got one of them. Oh, absolutely. No no doubt about it. So you have the great the great outing from Sorokin. Brock Nelson sneaks in two goals just before the end of October. Everybody talking about Brocktober. Oliver Wallstrom with a beautiful two-on-one goal with Matt Barzell with that newly formed line with Bailey, Barzell, and Wallstrom. So that's looking good so far. Matt Martin gets a great goal. Ethan Sears talking about the fourth line. They really have looked great so far this year. I hope, fingers crossed, they stay healthy because we have joked about the fact that it's really tough to have that team staying healthy for long stretches of time. Sezikis has, you know, been... Great. Yes. He's been a he's another guy who uh, you know, he's going to have a Hall of Fame night for him. And you're going to do it for Matt Martin, too, uh, many, many years down the road. But he's uh, he's a glue player. Uh, he'll talk about giddy up. He's got it. Oh, yeah. And um, he just he makes a difference most nights. I mean, I, you know, every once in a while, somebody will throw up a, a stat, you know, well-meaning about how he hasn't had a goal in 11 games. And it's I, not his job. Yeah, and I just, like, you know, I, I get it. It's magnified when the others aren't. Right. But this is a – this guy has been a special Islander now for a long time. Really, all three of them have. He essentially took over as my favorite player on the team after Franz Nielsen. Big Sezikis fan. He's like the Energizer Bunny. Like you said, every game he gives it his all, and that's and that's why you see guys like that on on that line in and out of the lineup because they literally you, know, you use the the cliche all the time, sacrificing the body, but they really are, and and you know just crashing bodies like they are every night, game in game out. It takes a toll, but they get out there and they do it every night and they do it well. In one of the, I think it was the last year, one of the final years of the Coliseum before they went back to the Coliseum. You know what, the era, so pre-Barclays Coliseum. Yes, yes. Um, I invited a, a close friend of mine who I work with in PR. Mm-hmm. He's from uh, he's from Ottawa. Uh, he's a big hockey guy, but he li- lived in New York. And I said, you got to come to me to one of these fine, you know, one of these games at the Coliseum. And then to give him the full Long Island experience, we went to the Marriott bar after. 
And you're going to wonder where I'm going with this. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I get I'm ready. And yeah, we're there with our beers, and the place is packed. Good win. Teams had a good win. Yeah. And it's just one of those little things you always remember. Casey Sezikis came walking in to have his drink or appetizers or whatever, and the place just went nuts. Really? It was like, you know, how you'd like to think it was when Joe DiMaggio walked sure. into Tut Shores 80, 70 years ago, whatever, 60 years ago. And I, I, I was so, I only, what made it special for me was because I had this friend here who I wanted him to see, you know, that that doesn't go on in a lot of markets. You know, mm -hmm. it, nothing, you know, what happened at the Coliseum mm -hmm. and kind of this small town feel and the emotion from the fans, like mm -hmm. that, that's something that you don't see in a lot of places. So I'll always, you know, my friend just said to me, he's like, that was really bleeping cool to see, to see this guy just walk in and the, and the place go nuts. Absolutely. And the guy's always got a smile on his face, even when he's yeah. playing on the ice. And he's always the first guy to give the big hug to the goalie after a win and everything like that. So he does, he seems like a very good, positive, you know, uh, good guy to have on the team. So hopefully uh, he keeps, he keeps up the play because he's playing great. Absolutely. So let me ask you this to tie up these this winning streak here I'm, and focus on this avalanche game real quick, the big comeback. Now, is that something we talk about this new style with Lane Lambert? They're playing more up tempo. They're getting more offense from the defense. Is that a comeback after being down three to nothing in the second period? Right. They battle back. They, they score five straight goals. Could a Barry Trotz team have done that with their defensive style? Right, you'd have to check the math and see how many, <laughs> Look time, back on the schedule. How many times they every day. <laughs> now, you know, even in Barry Trotz's defensive style, he's going to take the gloves off a little bit, take the you know the the restraints off a little bit when you're mm -hmm. trying to come back. Right. What Lane Lambert said after the game last night mm. was that he liked, and I know coaches say this a lot, but he he said I. I I didn't mind how we were playing. Okay. And I, I, it wasn't a surprise because my concern going into uh, the Colorado game mm. was that the Islanders the night before had got six goals and Colorado got shut out to New Jersey. Right. So right, right, it's right. like, right, you're a Yankee fan and they're playing the Red Sox the next night and the Red Sox got shut out in Fenway to Cleveland. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're mm -hmm. feeling like they're, this is a talented team that's due to bust out. So they did bust out, and it was right after you tweeted, you know, after this first period, I'm still <laughs> yeah, you feeling pretty good. Job, so <laughs> I sent you a text. Yes, you did. And then an hour later, how do you like me now? You know, because then, because they, then they can't, came back. So, you know, could they, could Barry Trotsky? Yeah, I guess they, they have the ability. I just, I mean, it, to, to buy your question and your theory is to buy into this thing that the Islanders are becoming a lot more run and gun, and I, I don't know if I see that yet. Okay, I think that's fair. You, what do you think? Well, I, I the reason why I raised the question was because it's just, look, the Islanders coming back down 3 nothing against the Colorado Avalanche in itself is like, yeah, really? Because, look, everybody was ready to walk out the building, at least at least spiritually <laughs> at that point, right, when it was 3 nothing, And for them to do that, you get back-to-back -back goals 17 seconds apart from Bowen Mayfield. And it made me wonder just because of how much offense they've been getting from the defense. We talk about the fact that Mayfield has three goals already. Noah Dobson's been scoring two. They're all putting up points. And I just wonder if Barry Trotz's, Barry Trotz's style would have allowed this team to come back in a game like that against a team like the Colorado Avalanche. And look, I've been one to sing Barry Trotz's praises ever since he came to the team. So I'm certainly not putting his team down or anything like that. But I do wonder if this system kind of allowed the Islanders to, to mount that comeback because of the way they play under Lane Lambert. I think it did. 
So, yeah. There you have it. You're one me over just like that. Rock and roll. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why we it, do it. It gives them, the, <laughs> it gave them, it gives them the confidence to be able to do that. I think that helped. Once they got the first one, then it goes from there. What, remember the game? So I want to say it was in Barclays, and they had all those. They scored like four times on the power play. Against Detroit. Detroit. Yes. Franz? Yeah, he was involved. Ledecky owned the team because they kept on showing him in the press box, bumping his fist. Yes, yes, yes. He might have been there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just too long ago to qualify. Plus, they were like on a five-on-three, I think, for a while. We got a comment from the chat. MJ Beckman mentions they did go from down 5-1 to 5-4 last year against Colorado, which is fair. There you go. Three-goal comeback. But they did not come back and win. Eric Kornick said it was the first one in a long, long time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Hey, it's fun to talk about. He said it more specifically. He didn't (laughs) say it was the first one in a long, long time. (laughs) Fair enough. I'll have to look it up. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so there you go. So, look, that's another huge win, confidence booster, and and hopefully just this three-game streak here, just they can ride this wave now going into this next set of road games. They're going on a little bit of a road trip now, which is perfect timing for... And now it's time for What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. So the New York Islanders embark on a little Midwestern swing Tuesday into Chicago, Thursday into St. Louis, and then Saturday into Detroit with, I would say, a better Detroit Red Wings team. They're looking pretty dangerous this year, at least a little more dangerous. Yeah, probably a little better earlier than I thought. I, mm-hmm. I, I think a few weeks ago I did some show with you and took a little shot. Like, can we really believe in Detroit? Because they signed four average players, you know, the first day of free agency. Those guys are, some of them are, including David Perron, are a little bit better than average. So, look, we've now seen from the last two weeks, I'm not here to say it doesn't matter if they struggle on this trip. I don't expect that they will. Mm-hmm. But we are we are in week at a time mode. It just so yeah. happens we do yeah. this show this right. way once a week. <laughs> kind of perfect. But this is this is week at a time mode. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a lot of analysis to bring here. Mm-hmm. Chicago, I mean, they they they've they've looked good at times under Luke Richardson, but buried deep in there, they have the ability to really stink still. Like they, they get they got I a agree. Lot. They I got, agree. So it's going to be the on the Islanders to battle, 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 and get that stink out of them, you know? Like right. They, they, um, that's, I, I don't think anybody in Chicago really believes in Chicago not being so bad yet. Um, and it's going to be up to the Islanders to, to knock that out of them. So we shall see. St. Louis, they're always going to be good. Yeah. I know they've had mm-hmm. some struggles. They had a, a wacky loss this weekend. Um, and then Detroit, sooner or later, I, I we can t- we can overrate people at times, and you know everybody's just thinking that Steve Eisenman has mm-hmm. all the answers. Right, right, right. And he he wound up not having them as quickly mm-hmm. at Detroit as people just figured they just you know eventually they thought within two or three years they were going to be really really good, and they haven't, and they may not still be there yet. But they do have some pieces, part of it from not being good and having early draft picks, making good draft picks, cider of course. Um, so it's a fascinating one game at a time trip to see yep. what each of these teams are like. But the Islanders will tell you if we play our game, we'll be all right. And I will say, like <laughs> if they if they play the game they played in the last week, they'll be all right. If anything else, they've proven they can hang with just about anyone, anybody in the league with the wins that they just rattled off. It's only been the Jersey game that's bad, and we did say like I agree with you. you know, we did the the woe is us and the, mm. and, the, and the slump shoulders and all that. 
was all about the Jersey game. Yeah. I don't think anybody was picking apart that Florida and Tampa game. They didn't win. You got to win. That's right. The object, they made some mistakes. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it, it was only, it was the one. Yeah. Now, how many signature wins do they have? You could say, well, these last two. I don't really count the Ranger game. The Ranger game, they, they actually think they had to do it. They did what they had to do. Cause I don't think the Rangers are that good, or at least they weren't when they, they met them, and it was back-to-backs. But you would say that they have at least two signature wins this season, and they only have one signature dumpster. I think that's fair, and, and I would say the Carolina game is their best game so far. That was their best effort. Even I mean, As impressive as the comeback was against Colorado, I think the one against Carolina was their most complete game. They got ahead, they clamped it down, they got the win. It was imp- I, 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 what I usually say for games like that is I just wouldn't have, not that I wouldn't have bet on against the Islanders, mm. I just wouldn't have bet that game. I think, know, I, yeah, so, I think that's so fair. Yeah. So did I see 6-2 six, six, final? I, I, did, right. I did not see that. Right. No. All right. right. Exactly. Well, folks, we're going to take one more quick break. Then we're going to get into the Hero of the Week. We'll do some questions brewing. Then we're going to wrap this thing up. So I want to thank you guys all once again for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the White Whale, featuring chicken cutlet, gravy, onion rings, bacon, mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero. Get it half price all week, starting tomorrow. That's right, Monday. All through the week, we'll announce a brand new half-off hero. Stop on in to the Huntington location, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the white well so who knows maybe we're dropping a little hint with that sandwich maybe not but chris why don't you do the honors here and let everybody know who your hero of the week is that could be many but for sure. me and we're probably i'm gonna say this a lot until things change it's Ilya sorokin he makes this possible for the islanders again this could change where they're a little tighter on defense where they figure out their system a little more but knowing he's back there I don't, the Colorado, you know, different. Yes. But it just having two good goalies, by the way, Lane Lambert was very complimentary of Rolamov. Had a great game. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you have those games where you can give up four goals and your goalie is still a big, big part of that. Yeah. Sorokin is, to me, he's almost like he's the hero. It's like the the heavyweight (laughs) champ. Sure. You got to knock him out. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now, the way this team is made up is a lot of talent, by the way. Again, weekly credit to Barzal. Mm-hmm. Beautiful play to Mayfield doing the thing. So yes. the folks who 
and I, I do, I did, during the three losses, I, you start hearing a little Barzell stuff, and I mm. please him. It's just stop. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, you know, come on. This is a incredibly talented, incredibly dedicated player who's doing everything he can. It's up to the coaches to rein him in. It's up to the coaches to figure out the line mates. He needs help. But this is a Hero of the Week segment, and I always go sideways on it. <laughs> it's Ilya Sorokin. And by the way, sh- uh, spoiler alert, he's going to start two of the next three games on the road. So when we yeah. come back, there's a chance he's going to be uh, he's going to be Hero of the Week. One, I have a feeling he's going to get this honor a lot. And same for me, Ilya Sorokin. He played absolutely fantastic in the two games this week. So big ups to the goaltender. May he continue to play the way he's playing because he's going to be a big reason the Islanders make the playoffs if they indeed do. So there you have it, folks. Your Hero of the Week, Ilya Sorokin. Remember, you can stop into the Huntington Blue Line Deli and Bagels location, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the white whale so with that out of the way why don't we get in some questions here before we wrap it up it's time it's time for questions brewing brought to you by lost farmer brewing company there you have it folks it is time for questions brewing so let's get to it t-boil 13 always active in the chat questions brewing speaking of the goaltenders this is an interesting one we'll entertain it when do you see Scarich as Sorokin's backup I mean what is what is his trajectory right now he I guess he's getting a little better there he's playing in the A they're winning some games down there but I honestly don't know if that's going to be anytime soon I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders extended Varlamov past this year and gives him a, a backup contract to be honest with you oh Varlamov is going to have options though to absolutely sign elsewhere. Yeah. so mm-hmm. um but his development is on track and the thing to know about these goalie coaches that, yes, Barry Trotz brought with them, mm-hmm. but these goalie coaches know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you feel like things are in good hands there. Right. Uh, Lane Lambert as well. So his his you know his development is coming along nicely, so he could be an Islander someday. But that's one <laughs> had an exchange with a fan yesterday. Like you know, we should put uh, we should put our faith in the people who paid to make these decisions. Well, no, this is what fans. What we, we could do this with all of our teams, right? But but I think when it comes to goaltending, there's reason to have faith in the people making these decisions. So he'll be here. When he's ready. As for Varlamov, sure, that's possible. They love him. They love that the, the security of having both of them. But it is possible that unless they can get him on a little bit of a discount, right, he could sign somewhere else for a lot more money. No, that's that's perfectly reasonable. I, I think in a perfect world, world though, if, the, if it works out for the Islanders, that's something they'd be looking to do is to, is to keep Varley on to kind of be Sorokin's buddy. But we'll worry about that another time. Worry about that when it comes. By the way, I think that Varlamov played against Colorado instead of Carolina. I think a bonus from that is for Colorado to see him. Sure, sure. And I know he didn't stand on his head, but he was good enough. He was better. That's than a good the, point. He was better than the other guy. Yeah. So um, I if think, the season goes in the tank yeah. and they get to the trade deadline, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think. All right, fair enough. All right, question from Mike C four six five two Co. Question Bruin. Seeing how he is doing out in Colorado, did Lou miss the mark not signing Rodriguez? I suppose, but did we know? You need a little foresight to see that coming. I don't know. Um, the th- the knock on Rodriguez was that even though his offensive stats last year were good, in the second half with Pittsburgh they were like non-existent. So he he wound up going. Uh, Every other team passed on him for right. weeks and weeks and mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah, it and took then, a long time. And, and you, what often happens is one of the better teams then gets that guy because then they say, hey, you come here. Mm-hmm. You, you might not be getting every dollar you, somebody told you you were going to get on, you know, on July 1 or when free agency started. Um, 
Evan Rodriguez isn't that special a player to, for me to say missed the boat on. Um, but listen, they didn't sign anybody. So, no, you they know did I mean? Not. Like, yeah, we, no, could, they didn't. They, we could be doing that question once a week and saying, hey, but how about this guy, that guy? Yeah, he, he, he would be an upgrade. He's an NHL player. They've you know they've already lost uh, Bellows, um, but I'm not gonna kill him for it. Yeah, I'm, and this is kind of a similar question. I just want to acknowledge it at least. Trotty nineteen asks with Pavilion and Bailey sitting out games. Why couldn't Lou have lost one of them for Rodriguez or Debrinket <laughs> over the summer? I mean, easier said than done. Well, Debrinket's in a different category. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a deal that's that's very difficult to pull off. And and as we discussed before, I mean these these sitting those guys is more of a message than anything else. Not not that they're they're giving up on those guys. Uh, next question is from Joey Pickles thirty. Question Bruin: Do you think Aho has? We we discussed this with Ethan. Do you think Aho has solidified the sixty man role, or they move back to Salo? I think they're going to let Aho run with it until they want to put until they think he needs a seat. You know he's been playing pretty well. I don't think they're in any rush to get Salo in there. So let Aho do his thing, and if and if he has a bad game, sure, swap him out. I I have absolutely nothing to add to that. You okay. Know. You, Ethan had it right. You have it right. You got nothing to the, the Islanders like Aho. They do. I have to keep him around. Every time I think he's 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 taken off and maybe maybe trying to get a better opportunity somewhere else, they, they keep him around and he sticks. The team that has the player knows the player better than anyone. They like Aho. All right, last one. I like this one from CGS878. Question, Bruin. Who will be promoted from Bridgeport when the inevitable injury or flu bug hits the team? You don't like this one. Well, because I, I, every time there's that thing about who's going to go down, when the, this is like the reverse of that. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. You want to take this one? I'm going to roll the dice. And look, if we're talking forward, I'm going to say Ratu before Dufour. I think they're both doing all right down there. I don't think they're – they're. Uh, listen, I haven't been watching the games. I haven't been looking at the stats in Bridgeport. I see the, the headlines coming every once in a while on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. But I would assume Ratu maybe gets the call on the, on the forward end of things. And, and then I believe Balduke's doing all right down there. So maybe on the D side of things after Salo, maybe he, he'd be the first guy to get the it, call it on It depends D. where the need is. Right. Right? right. This is not the draft where you take the best player available. In this case, if you're looking for a top six, then maybe it is rot too. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking for somebody else, more of a grinder, it's not going to be that because you don't want them in that role. I get it. Maybe some people move up, but it's a hypothetical, and um, I don't know if there's a clear-cut candidate. I don't, if you're talking about a forward, I don't think it's not necessarily rot two or DeFord. It's probably not DeFord. It's rot two or somebody else. I think, I think uh, we're on the same page here, Chris. Well, that's going to do it for questions, Bruin, everybody. Really appreciate you getting your questions in. And that's also going to do it for the show. So, want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash hockeynightny and your favorite podcast providers. Huge thanks to Ethan Sears of New York Post giving us a great spot here. And, of course, a huge thanks to Chris Botta for sitting in once again on Hockey Night in New York. Thank you, Sean. And I think it's okay to say that I think we could have some special things coming up in the next week or two that fans can keep an eye on. It's not just a matter of waiting for Sunday to come some weeks. That's right. Keep your eyes out on social media. we got some special stuff coming up this week. We'll uh, we'll have it up there during the week. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, with that out of the way, folks, big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels for sponsoring the show located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Of course, their brand new location in East Islip and UBS Arena, an official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around. Big thanks to RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. The best place to catch the game when you can't make it to the game. Remember, they have live music, comedy nights, trivia, a late night bar scene. They have it all. And a huge thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company located 
located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check out LostFarmerBrewing.com to check out their all, all their great selections. And hit up that tap room. It's fantastic. they got some great selections over there. And, of course, the Stable Shaker American Lager. You can follow Chris Botta at Chris Botta NHL on Twitter. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can forget, You can follow Christian Arnold at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you enjoy yourself, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks a lot. We've been Hockey Night in New York for Chris Botta. I'm Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your night.